Thank you so much. Um, that was the song that played before I led Tuesday night, which I didn't expect to lead. Um, the Lord had other plans, and um, he had other plans for this morning as well, because I didn't know that I would be leading Tuesday and Sunday um, back to back. And um, the Lord just, he will always fill your mouth and always fill your heart right before he's going to have you pour it out, whether it be one-on-one to someone or speaking before a group or whatever that he has. He will always, always make a way and equip you. And um, sometimes even when you don't know it, you may not have had a plan that that was the way it was going to be, but the Lord knew um, the whole time that um, a early conference call in our time zone Tuesday morning led to Greg within a couple of hours getting on a flight to Nigeria, and so that's where he has been, and um, we'll be back Tuesday, but he's, um, uh, oh goodness, let me, let me say it in a more cool way, um, kicking demon butt. <laughs> Maybe if I could say that, he will be telling a story of what God had him deal with in an assignment of both deliverance, but also of really dealing with some huge situation that's going to affect, have, have effect that is so significant. And um, so when the Lord says to go, you go. When he says to speak, you speak. When he says to stay, you stay. You know, you just, um, there's that song called Spirit Lead Me. Um, and I love that, and I really love the words of this song we just did, Available. And I was challenging everybody Tuesday night to really think about the words that you sing. When, when you are singing a worship song, your participation in it is your agreement with what you're saying. So you need to know what it is that you're saying in your worship. You need to understand even the idea of agreements. And so the Lord has a few things that he's given me this morning, and I, um, he didn't really let me develop it as much as I would have preferred, but um, he's teaching me that he will fill my mouth. And he can only do that through the experiential process, right? Because you can't learn something in concept that you have to learn experientially. You have to just go through it. It's just like driver's ed. You can learn everything from the book, but you've got to get behind the wheel and actually learn how to drive. So we're going to pray. And ask God to just come and continue to take over this place. Father God, I just praise you this morning. God, I worship you. You are almighty God. Thank you that you are the creator of all things in heaven and on earth. We give you praise, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. There are no words to praise you the way that you deserve to be praised. You are worthy of all of our praise. The sacrifice that you gave, how could we not be available and give everything? Because you gave everything for us. I just, I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you just saturate, permeate this place In the name of Jesus, fill me with your heart and with your words as we open your written word and see what you want to give this morning. 
God, I just love you. I just praise you. The worship in music, in song may have ended, but the worship now as we seek your face in receiving what you have to tell us continues because it's all worship. I just love you, God. I just love you. I just thank you. I have no... I wish I had a bigger language to just thank you for how much you do, how much you protect, how much you say to us just who you are to me personally. I'm just so grateful, so grateful. You're so loving, so kind. You are truly my savior, my champion enthroned. Thank you, God. Fill us with your heart in this short time we have this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So the Lord had given me a verse uh, that I had actually shared with the ladies' class. Um, and it was interesting because it was connected to some, something else, a different kind of a direction that we went. And after this week, he was having me hang out a little bit in Romans 8, uh, which is just jam-packed. Boy, that is one of the chapters that's just a place to encourage yourself. And God is so faithful. And the reason I've just been so overwhelmed with gratitude, um, I, I am all the time. And don't let any of the little blessings be lost on you. I mean, thank God for simple things. Uh, when you travel and you have to experience different kinds of environments and things that are outside of things you can control, you begin to thank the Lord for pillows and blankets and, you know, the ability to lay down when all you can do is sit up for a long period of time traveling or whatever. Every little thing is such a blessing, such a gift. And I just, you know, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you're connected with the Father, I want to keep a grateful heart for constantly all that he is. And um, so I was hanging out in Romans 8, and uh, there was, I didn't even know. I, it was interesting. He brought me to Romans 8, but I didn't even connect, even though I'm pretty good at my references when I memorize scripture. A verse that I had known for most of my whole life, I didn't even realize it was in Romans 8. And so it's kind of a theme verse, and... Um, I I think if you can bring me my black bag, Brooke, um, this would really be hilarious if I grabbed the wrong notebook. Talk about the Lord teaching me something on the fly, but that's okay. That's the one. Thank you. Lord is good. This is a completely different notes from a completely different subject, but uh, that's all right. I would have got it because the Lord is faithful. But it is from Romans 8, and it's verse 31. And I'm going to be in um, the Amplified Classic most of the time, but, um, but I'll tell you where we'll go. It says, he, verse, Romans 8, 32, He who did not withhold or spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, Okay, the gospel, we know that Jesus died on the cross for our sin. So he, God the Father, who did not withhold or spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, 
In this last verse, uh, this last sentence in this verse, will he not also with him, the one he gave up freely, freely and graciously give us all other things? Think about what that verse really means. I, the Lord has just been over and over and over showing me that the average believer cannot possibly understand the fullness of what the gospel means in their daily life. Because if we did, the bride at large would be a totally, completely different bride. What, what our foundation is in Jesus Christ our Savior, when you accept Jesus as your Savior, what he gave, what he paid for, what his blood bought for us was, and Brooke referred to it earlier, was to reverse everything that was lost when Adam gave it all away in sin. And therefore, man became fallen flesh. And we were born into sin. But then Jesus, but Jesus. And so we sing about and we understand Jesus paid it all. But we really, we keep, and and Greg said this in the last message, we keep the all to the all-encompassing ticket for our placement. And so we know that, and that's been driven home. So I started just, just thinking through. It's like this back and forth conversational It's a wonderful, wonderful place when you're in the secret place and you're just kind of, you're brainstorming. Can you imagine being in a brainstorming moment with with Jesus? I mean, like, there's there's nothing, it's really you just receiving and, you know, but it's like this back and forth conversational sharing. And, And so I began to think, okay, well, he will not, will he not also freely and graciously give us all other things? And so I started thinking, what are all the other things? Well, in Romans 8, there's just a boatload of it. Starting off with, there is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. So anytime you feel completely condemned, that's not of God. We literally can live with no condemnation. Also in Romans 8, if God is actually for us, then who can be against us? People can be against you. But what he's saying is, what impact can those who are against you have on your life? Because I am for you. And that, by the way, is in the verse right before that. What shall we say? In verse 31, what then shall we say to all this? If God be for us, who can be against us? Who can be our foe if God is on our side? Now, you'll see that also in Psalm 118, verse 6. It says, the Lord is on our side. These are, these become these kind of um, platitudes, these kind of Christianese concepts that we know and we know and we know. And so, so I was loving that verse, but then the Lord brought back the verse to me that I had shared with the ladies. And this was the crux, because even though we went into a different direction with them, I'm going to go back to this and go into a a fuller direction. And it comes from um, Proverbs 24.10. Now, in the both Amplified and I think King James, it says, if you faint, and I don't know if you would pull that up, uh, Proverbs 24.10, 
If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Okay? That's the, that's the gist of it. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. But I love this particular verse in the message version. If you fall to pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place. That struck me because we continue to tout and have these principles we believe in that God is our rock. He is our foundation. He is our God. He is this and he is that. But you know, yesterday at the gifts meeting, we were referring to a particular um, counseling counseling, um, method system established um, I don't, I'm not going to say the name of it, but it's a, it's, a counsel, it's, a, it's a counseling system, if you will, that many churches have taken on. And, um, and the thing that has always squeezed my spirit, and, and yesterday the Lord just shouted within me, it's not of me, it's not of me, it's not of me. It's, it's an opportunity for the enemy to get you agreeing with the perpetual bondage, slavery, defeat, and get you in a what you think is counseling, but in a place of wallowing, wallowing, wallowing. Okay, honey, I'm going to see you later. I'm going off to my group, of, my wallowing group tonight. You know, I'm going to go and, and meet with my, with my group for my 12 steps of wallowing. And I'm not saying that there aren't processes and there aren't, there isn't fellowship back and forth. It's very critical, very critical. If you're not living in the fullness of the great commandment, if you're only living in the secret place and have this, you and Jesus, but then you never invest into the loving your neighbor as yourself, there's a huge piece of your opportunity to grow in Christ that's missing. We need to be in fellowship with the body. And so I understand that's why people are fiercely defensive of these groups. But what bugs me and what is absolutely not of God is this Sneaky, snaky spirit that gets you in agreement with the way things must be because of what you went through or what, how hard it will be to be delivered from it without spending time going on and on and on and on and on about where you are in this place. Yes, you have to acknowledge where you are to bring it before the Lord and get confession of sin to then have the authority through the blood of Jesus to cast it and be free. But to just spend time and time and time and time talking about how hard it is and how difficult um, and stay in an agreement with that is, is very, very dangerous. We, we have been given so much because of what Jesus paid for. And if we could just get a hold of, of a simple concept, not easy, but simple concept, and then begin to, by practice, believe God for it by faith, and then actually move from faith to faith. It would be amazing. So what was said yesterday at the gifts meeting after we were talking about that situation was somebody said, they said, yeah, I knew of a friend that was in that group. And, uh, and they said, I was really perplexed because they just never really seemed to have any kind of victory. And so I asked them one day, this person said this, I asked them one day, so, so that's great. That, you know, I don't know much about your group, but I mean, are you, are you moving forward? Like, are you moving forward? 
Is there, is there any progress? And they got a strange answer that, well, I think so. It was, it was kind of ambiguous and left kind of open-ended. And I thought, I just started pondering that. And I thought, okay, if God so freely gave his own son, he did not spare, but freely gave to us his own son, will he not also freely, graciously give us all other things that he offers, like all spiritual blessings in Ephesians, like all the fruits of the Spirit, his love, his joy, his peace. How about even further down that list, temperance, self-control, the, the ability to break the strongholds off your life to where you're not a slave to your impulses in whatever those may be. You can actually walk in freedom and victory and not feel that you are constantly bound in this slavery mindset that you have to um, constantly fear that you might slip back into some deep pit of despair. There is so much that God has given us. And there is measurable, transformative evidence when you're actually moving forward with Jesus in relationship. When you are truly, when you're not just learning of him, but you are learning him with this in a real relational way, it changes you. There is a beautiful journey of discovery that God has given us when we get saved that we enter into in this thing called relationship, right? We have, if you look at the definition of relationship, it's a connection. It's a, it's a state of being connected, and it's a, it's a behavioral exchange between two parties between two people, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's relational. It's an exchange of, of companionship and, and of connection. And, uh, this coming Saturday, um, we have an anniversary coming up. Many of you have had your anniversaries. We, uh, it's just shy of 35, 34 years. Can you believe that? That's a long, 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 not maybe to everybody, but I was just like, I mean, I used to think 15 years was like, man, those people are old. And now we're at the double point of that more. Uh, more than that, but um, so 34 years, we will have been married, and I got to tell you, it that man just still gives me butterflies. I just, I just love Greg Twiddell. I just love him. It has been a journey of discovery to. You know, we did write letters. We had a long-distance relationship, and, and he also wrote letters. And he actually wrote poems. I, I just thought it was dorky before, but it's really sweet now. But he wrote, he wrote poems. Not Before he met me, he wrote more poems. I, I just Because I wasn't really a poem person, he didn't really write them to me. But the fact that he wrote this poetry, I got to learn aspects of his personality, of his character, looking at his, the family dynamic. And then what's, what's the best is... When somebody begins to give their life to Jesus and you're in a relationship with somebody who's also in a relationship with Jesus, you get to see them grow and develop. And the man he is today is so different than the man I married. It's just been a beautiful journey to learn of him. I have discovered parts of his personality, of his character, of his um, boldness, and yet humility. And I mean, you know, on and on and on. And this isn't 
it's just a picture of what God desires with us. He he doesn't just whammo, we accept Jesus into our heart, and now, boom, we just know everything about God. And so now all we have to do is exist and float with our ticket in hand and kind of wince at the evil in the world until we enter through the pearly gates and we're all good for eternity, eternity, eternity. It is a very bizarre thing when you look at it that way, and yet that's kind of where we exist in the church because we kind of really do. What do we do while we're here? Well, we, we do church. We, we read our Bible, and we, you know, we pray, and, and we sometimes have emotion, and we have his presence, and we have these things, and yet God's like, there's so much. There's so much. There's so much that I paid for. There's so much I want to give you, and there's, there's so much to learn of me. And even when he knows all about us, if you notice Jesus in the New Testament when he's talking with his disciples, he asked them questions. He, he asked them what they thought about things. And it, it's, it's so cool because they could have thought, well, you know, if you're the Messiah, then why do you have to ask me anything? And I'm sure they did think that. But he entered into, by limiting himself and becoming a man, he entered into this relationship of learning of them. And that is part of the journey that we are in with the Lord. And every single time that we choose him, that we agree with him, that we believe him, there is more and more growth in our understanding of him, but also in our victory. And I want to point out a couple of things. This is just what struck me. So, the, the title, if you will, of the message is Strength from Our Foundation. The reason that that verse that I gave you from Proverbs 24.10 in the message version stood out to me. If you fall to pieces in a crisis, then there wasn't much to you in the first place. The crisis has already begun and is building It is getting to an explosive place because God is allowing us to be tested to the fullest extent of our faith. The first line in the song we sang is narrow. Is it narrow though the road may be or as the road may be? Narrow as the road may seem. So what's the next line? I'll follow where your spirit leads. That word narrow, we know that's from scripture, that narrow is the road. Um, many are called, few are chosen, because there is this um, there is this place of pure trust that God wants to bring us to so that, and we talked a little bit about this in the ladies' class, so that he can trust us. You know, when Jesus came on the earth and he began to share truth of, of who he was and he began to bring the kingdom of God to earth and he was speaking and there was so much more he wanted to share. And at one point in the Gospels, I think it's in the book of John, where he says I, he couldn't entrust himself to them because he knew the condition of their heart. He knew the state of their unbelief. So he couldn't even reveal to them as much as he wanted to reveal because they couldn't believe him for what he wanted to share. How sad. How sad that is. He has given us so much. And he just wants us to go to the foundation of our salvation. He's, it's like, I just felt like he was saying, look, you believe me for salvation. 
which is a big thing, by the way. It is a big thing. When, I, when God first started to blow my mind with this, he speaks now, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually in a relational exchange with the Most High God through Jesus. How is this possible? The veil was torn. I didn't even know what that meant. And now I'm like, oh, I, I have bold access now, and I can go before the Father and all this in prayer, and it just changed everything. It started to just blow my mind, like, oh, okay, wow, I, I, have, I have this access to him. And it was so, um, it was so overwhelming. And he... Um, and just pray for me because, boy, oh, boy, my mind is going a million miles a minute. I have so much to share, and I'm trying to stay, stay the course with, with what I'm saying because I actually just lost my train of thought. But um, he wants us to go back to when he blows our mind, he wants us to sometimes go back to if you can believe me for what I did to save your soul. And this is where he took me. It's like, okay, if I can believe that a guy 2,000 years ago died a torturous death on a cross, and somehow that has to do with me saying a prayer and now getting access. I mean, at that time, it was just getting access to my eternity in heaven. Like, if I'm going to believe that that event, okay, is connected with my prayer and my eternal destiny, then I can believe for a whole lot of things because that's just whacked. I mean, when you think humanly speaking, that, that's, a, that's a faith step right there. And the Lord really encouraged me in that because he was like, yes, you believed enough for my kingdom to receive me as your savior. Just start there. Start there. Start at that foundation. Don't go to a false foundation. I got to show you a verse that you may know, but it really, really impacted me. And it is from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It is 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11. And I'm in the Amplified Classic with this one as well. It says, for no other foundation, no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. But if anyone builds upon the foundation, whether it be with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, the work of each one will become plainly, openly known. Shown for what it is. For the day of Christ will disclose and declare it. That's what's happening now. He's beginning to, you know, it's beginning to be exposed. What foundation we're on. Because it will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test and critically appraise the character and worth of the work each person has done. If the work which any person has built on this foundation, any product of his efforts, whatever, survives this test, he will get his reward. Why do you think, um, wherever it is, actually it's in our, if you go back to just the the screen that's just blank when we see that. Why do you think the fire is the ignition logo? It's It's a visual of the remnant place he wants his bride to be, which is that we were tested by fire and we have passed the test. See, that was given. The love shield, the logo, which we have a live version of that. I don't even know if you have that. The one that just where the fire lights, it's really cool. Actually, my nephew created it where it's 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 an active burning fire behind the word. It's super cool. Um, Is that the one? 
that it just it just burns up the love shield it burns and with flame and there is another one as well that was an intentional vision of god that was given for the for ignition the logo it's so awesome i'm i know it's behind me but i'm looking at the other screen that is that is what the scripture is talking about so there is no other foundation other than jesus now you can think that you're building on another foundation and that's why we see in Scripture the parable of the, the house that was built on the rock versus the sand. You can build on anything you want to, but the strength of the structure is based on the strength of the foundation. When your foundation is strong, your structure will hold. We've seen hurricanes hit various areas. And it's interesting because these fierce storms, you know what they do? They cut away at the coastline and they reveal the base of these structures. And sometimes it cuts away right up to the side, but yet it's still standing and you can see, okay, I see why. Wow, that was a strong foundation. That's why that, they, that foundation went deep and it was thick. That's why that thing ain't moving. Everything around it's moving and being torn away, but it is standing because of the foundation. So when we go back to our foundation, if you fall to pieces in a crisis, your strength is small. God wants us to be walking in a strength of faith to believe him when he introduces some of the things that he's done in the last three weeks. Now, before that, too, he introduced the courts. He introduced the court of nations. He introduced these things happening with principalities. And all of these things, first of all, if you're not willing to believe what the kingdom of heaven consists of, then it's very difficult to swallow any of that. The kingdom of heaven, we're to seek it, right? The kingdom of heaven is as an entire working kingdom with a judicial system of heaven. And it is something we're supposed to understand through scripture by faith that it exists. And we are to seek it. We are to understand it. And the more and the more often we intentionally engage relationally with a yes to Jesus, the closer we get to him and the stronger we get. Every single day, I poured my yes, my love, my cooperation, our equal submitting ourselves one to another within our marriage. We became stronger, got to know one another better. The love is deeper, and it just I'm telling you, young couples, it does not get old. And it does not, when poured into correctly, it is the furthest thing from boring monotony. If there's boredom and monotony in marriages that have been going on a long time, something's wrong. Because I'm telling you, it's a thrill. It is a thrill. Every single time I am with Greg, there is just something more to discover. He about me, me about him, what God is doing. And this is with God in the center because it's like we're both, you know, we don't even get a chance to sometimes. We come together and we're like, what did he show you? Well, what did he show you? Well, this is so cool. This is what he said to me. That's exactly what he said to me. And we'll just, we just have this passionate exchange. And then sometimes we're, sometimes we'll be like, okay, wait a second, wait a second. I don't understand that. You know, and he's like, that's because it's going to happen way, way in the future. And then I got to kind of like, well, you know, catch up to it. But as we give God our faith and we give God our yes, there's a closer uh, 
it, it's almost like the trust that even Bryn was talking about trust in the, in the ladies' class this morning. It grows. So the opposite is true as well. And it was wild that she mentioned this because this was exactly what the Lord put on my heart. The longer, the longer a certain um, stronghold of yes contrary to the word of God, essentially a no to God, but a yes to the ways of the flesh and of the enemy. The longer those things are in place and agreed with day by day by day, okay, the more time that passes that solidifies that, the stronger they are to break. And then God comes in, and and Greg spoke of it last week about the unlearning. You can unlearn, but I'm telling you, if if you are, are entering into this place of total surrender and remnant later in your life, and however later, it depends on wherever you are in your age, but God can transform a life very, very quickly. But he, he needs our intentional yes. And there is something about, it's like the enemy knows it from his side because it's true on the Lord's side, which is that the more we engage with a yes, with a cooperation, with a, with a willingness to absolutely believe because we trust fully and we're receiving everything he's given us in love. We more and more can then believe him for more and more and more. And more is unlocked in the things that he has given us. So when you go back to these statements that are really hard to reconcile, like in Isaiah, when it says, by his stripes we are healed, Okay, well, Jesus, I know that you're my Savior. You died on the cross. But it says that the beating you took is bringing forth my healing. But I haven't seen that. So when you, by faith, just literally just accept it. I don't have to understand it up here. But I'm going to obey the great commandment, which is loving the Lord thy God with all my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength. I'm going to love you with my mind and just receive it by faith and because I love you. And I'm just going to believe for it. I'm going to absolutely believe for my healing. Every single day I tell myself, man, what is true in the word of God, and I ruminate on it. By his stripes, I am healed. It is mine. It is on him for when it manifests, but I'm telling you there is something happening with me that, that all I can tell you is only by testimony that every day I am believing him for who he is and what he has given me and what was paid for on the cross for my sins personally. As I'm believing him for that, victory in so many areas is beginning to spring forth. I am he, he's giving me this, this next level refusal to be in agreement with what is not of him, thus opening up everything that is of him, because it kind of works that way, you know? And when you unlock what is of him and what is being given to you, you get to receive it. As far as you're concerned, it is manifested already in your life. Go to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Let's just go there because this is what I'm talking about. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now we know that Hebrews 11.6 is impossible to please him without faith. But in the very first verse of that chapter, which I just, I just love it, especially in the Amplified because it's just, it's one of those mind benders, but it's just so important. 
Now faith, okay, faith, this, 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 this absolute place to just believe, this, this choice, this sheer decision of our will, which we were given by God to have, it's ours. It's the only thing that's ours. Our choice, our will is, is ours to do with what we want, to deny it to God or to give it to him. Now, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for. And by the way, hope, let me just say hope. Hope is not a flimsy word that sometimes has a negative connotation. If you actually look that up, God being our hope, hope is a confident expectation. It is a positive word. He is our hope. He is the very hope because what we do not see, we hope for. We don't need to hope for it if we see it, okay? He is our hope because of the confident expectation we have. It is a very, very positive word. It's not some meek and, well, I kind of hope, and I'm just not really sure. I... No, when somebody has hope, they have something positive. You lose your hope. I mean, Satan is after our faith, and he wants to steal our hope. And that's why even one of my dear friends from high school, another case of her adult son killed himself. And I'm just like... Another case and another case. I'm hearing this over and over again. Christian, Christian families, don't, not understanding, not willing to believe for the entire kingdom of heaven and the workings of it and that we can live in that place, not understanding access to that. So when the enemy sneaks in the back door, steals, literally kills and destroys, there's nowhere else to go but more platitudes, more, more Christianese, more, you know, in their pain. It's like, okay, well, this is, you know, and I'm thinking, how's that going for you? You know, I, I mean, like, it just broke my heart to, is it transformative? Is, is, and my God shall supply all your need, your emotional need in this time. Is, is it really, are you really able to, to receive that and, and understand? Are, are you just, are you just a, a, another at another victim place of circumstances of, of the enemy. Well, there was, you know, there was some more things that hit me and the fiery darts and all oh, the, the enemy's so bad. And so I'm just going to, I'm just going to pick up my, you know, Philippians 413 coffee mug and, you know, go to my verse cards. And I don't mean to diminish that because the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword. It's powerful. But if we don't access it by our faith, which is what this is, this is why I love this in the Amplified. The things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see. Okay, most people that need proof want to see it. Where is it? I don't believe you prove it. When somebody says, I don't believe you, prove it. They want to see it. But not when you're walking in faith. When you're walking in faith to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, it's right there in front of you. It's right there in front of you. Psalm, I think it's Psalm 27 says, I had fainted unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That wasn't the psalmist crying out for, Lord, help my circumstances. Let me see something good. When I ask the Lord, let me see something good. Sometimes he shows it to me in a manifest way in my humanity. Sometimes he shows it right smack in my spirit, shows me something good right there. Not one of my circumstances has changed, and all of a sudden I'm just basking and weeping in the goodness of the Lord in the midst of what others won't be able to see. Unlocking a proof 
comes by faith. And when we, when we submit to that, surrender to the flesh and open up our lives, it says faith, um, so the things we do not see, and the conviction of their reality. Conviction. That's a word that will change how you live. It is a transformational word. If you, you, everybody, whether you are consciously aware of it or not, let's, let me just, let's just keep it real. We are living our convictions. So however you're living, you are living out your conviction. You may not be consciously aware of what your convictions are, but the works, the decisions, the reactions, what you do, what you choose is an outcome of convictions within your life. It just is. Okay. Because what you think about is brought about in your life. And so when something is a conviction by faith, truly in your relationship with Jesus, it will be transformative. Otherwise, there's just an abstract kind of a belief, and then there's reality. And, and we wonder now why. Why is it that... I, why is it that, that, you know, when you look at some other people's faith or you, you read on to the end of chapter 11 and you get to see these people that had conviction to their very torturous death and you're like, how? How can somebody believe for that? When I wanted to hide in my garage and, not me, but I'm saying people, hide in my garage with a mask on for fear that COVID might knock on my door. And by the way, it did. It did. It was terrible. You know, I didn't know it was COVID at the time, but I found out later that it was. And I mean, it, it put me in the hospital. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. But I made it through. I was more than a conqueror in the storm. I was equipped for it. It was miserable. But boy, what God showed me through that, it was, it was amazing. The conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the human senses, but to our spirit senses, it exists. So I walk in wholeness, in healing, in clear sight, as all of you are actually blurry, humanly, without my glasses, but I have clear sight. It is mine. I am blood-bought. I am washed by the blood of the Lamb, by his stripes, I am healed. I declare clear and perfect sight. What was taken from me by the enemy under the curse of sin is not allowed to stand in the name of Jesus and by the power of his blood. That is, that has to be a conviction that you live by. Um, this is a, is a, a, a way to, to function until God decides to remove it. But it is not my identity. And I love even what, what Jeff had expressed recently with, with his condition, with, with the, the diabetic issue that he has. That is not who he is. And you know what? He lives that so fully. I forgot. I never even think about that. I just never even think about that. He's just, just a super healthy guy that prays for everybody else to get healing. Like, I just don't even, who thinks about that? And yet he lives every day with and the nuisance of certain things humanly that he has to do. But in the spirit, he's a citizen of heaven. And so he lives and walks and moves and has his being in wholeness and in healing. That is how God wants us to function. And I'm telling you, this is so critical because 
we haven't we haven't had to have the wake up urgency for these things to be tested until God allowed some of the shaking to come. Um, we have hoped we'd have strong political leaders, good pastors, a kind and friendly church without a lot of hypocrisy and backbiting. You know, um, we've, we'd hoped that we would have good, you know, police officers and you know society's norms that kind of give you a, a as close to a leave it to beaver lifestyle that you could possibly have. We, you know, we kind of, and the Lord has said, my grace has been on certain times while extending my hand time and time again to my bride. Will you believe me? Will you, will you receive and believe me with no holds barred? Because if you won't, and, and yet I know that your heart wants it, I, I'm going to have to now put you through the fire of testing. I'm going to have to now refine you. There is this beautiful prayer <clears throat> that I want to read to you that is straight out of scripture that highlights this. It says, Father, I'm so delighted that you are both loving and sovereign and that you cause all things to work together for good to those who love you, to those who are called according to your purpose. So I thank you for each disturbing or humbling situation in my life. For each breaking or cleansing process you are allowing. For each problem or hindrance. For each thing that triggers me in anxiety or anger or pain. And I thank you in advance for each disappointment, each demanding duty, each pressure, each interpretation that may arise in the coming hours and days. In spite of what I think or feel when I get my eyes off you, I choose not to resist my trials as intruders, but welcome them as friends. Thank you that each difficulty is an opportunity to see you work, that in your time you will bring me out to a place of abundance. I rejoice that you plan to enrich and beautify me through each problem, each conflict, each struggle. That through them you expose my weaknesses and needs, my hidden sins, my self-centeredness, and especially my self-reliance and pride. Thank you, thank you that you use these trials to humble me and perfect my faith and produce in me the quality of endurance. That they prepare the soil of my heart for the fresh new growth in godliness that you and I both long to see in me and that my momentary troubles are producing for me an eternal weight of glory that far outweighs them all as I keep my eyes focused on you. I am grateful, and I hope you can say this in your heart, I am grateful that you look beyond my superficial desire for a trouble-free life. But instead, you fulfill my deep-down desire to glorify you, to enjoy your warm fellowship and become more like your son. That is a life filled with challenges that's filled with faith to see the purposes of God in everything that we do, which is what Romans 8:28 encompasses he works 
everything for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And yet he just wants us to believe for it every day, to believe for what God has. I'll tell you what, if you are only as strong as your skill set, your talents, your gifts, or the skill set you think you have, if that, is, if that is the strength of your life, your strength is small. God is not everything. Every good gift and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights. Everything you have is from him. We sing about it. It is the, his breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. Do we acknowledge him? Everything that you have is from you. And yet, we sometimes hold these things to ourselves. They become our identity. Our skill set becomes our strength. So now, in a, in a day of adversity, when maybe, A, we no longer have that skill through some challenge in our lives, or we no longer have the opportunity to use that skill, which, by the way, God is allowing every day. Because he's sadistic? Because he wants to hurt us? No. Because he sees beyond our desire for a superficial, trouble-free life, which just makes you jelly-like. Same with the principle and the physical. It's through the resistance. It's through the hard things that the muscle becomes strong. It's through the endurance that builds that faith. That, that gets to show us who he really is. Every one of my trials has shown me a character trait of Almighty God that I did not get to see in my little comfort, cushy place of control. When God had me step out of it, you could choose one of two things. You can either focus on, I'm out of my comfort zone. I'm out of my comfort zone. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. Or, or you can be like, God, I always knew, I always knew you said you'd never leave me or forsake me. But in this dark place, you really were there. You really were there. You really did not abandon me. I, 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 can't, even, I can't even comprehend it. But now that I've had to experience it, I now have this experiential understanding of who you are that I could not otherwise have. If I had always been able to just stay in my lane, stay in what I knew I could do in this false place of security. The day of adversity is upon us. The shaking is getting to an explosive place. We are to rejoice because it will spin around us and around us and around us and around us. And the constant will be where we stand on our foundation, which is Jesus Christ. What an amazing thing. I want to bring one other verse out to you, which is in Ephesians 3, that goes to this this point of the experiential and I love it again in the amplified it just kind of unpacks it but it is in Ephesians 3 starting at verse 16 it's the theme verses by the way for strength for women the the women's ministry that I've had for years and I just loved it so much this is part of the will he not freely and graciously give you all things, all the other things that he's promised. If he gave his own son, he will not withhold from you what you need. Do not trample on the blood 
and blaspheme the act of love on the cross by not believing that you have everything you need, no matter what situation you go into. He has met every need. He has equipped you. He is for you. He is with you. He is on your side. And to not believe that is to reject his son. Okay? Spend time on Romans 8.32. It'll convict you. But we're in Ephesians 3. Verse 16, may he grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit himself indwelling in your innermost being and personality. We know that's a guarantee from Ephesians 1.13, right? We know that, that he's there. So may he grant you out of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with his mighty power. May Christ, verse 17, dwell. May Christ, through your faith, actually dwell. Settle down. Abide. Make his permanent home. If I'm in a relationship with Greg and it's long distance, it's really a lot more challenging. And that's why he wants us in relationship at the other part of that great commandment, in fellowship with the body of Christ, in actual relationship, not virtually, in actual relationship, interacting with one another. There's purpose in that. There's purpose for our growth and for even revelation. Make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love, that you may, verse 18, have the power and be strong, not have it, your strength be small, have, be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love. The experience of that love. What is the breadth and length and height and depth of it? I also think that speaks to the dimensions. Like to really understand that you are also a spirit being. And remember, Jesus said to the woman at the well, he's looking for true worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Understand And believe him for all the things that that happens in the spirit. But this is the key here. Verse 19. That you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves. For yourselves. The love of Christ. Which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. That you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God. That is, may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a holy filled and, and become a holy, a body, excuse me, holy filled and flooded with God himself. You can listen and listen and listen and listen and listen to concepts and principles and even just be to the best of your ability even under a lie detector test, be in complete agreement. Yes, I agree. Oh, I agree. I agree. I agree. It's not yours until it changes your life when you leave this place. I've seen that happen, you know, in the fitness world. Um, I didn't really know. Uh, I wasn't really on the nutrition side of it, sadly. I should have probably learned more about that through the years. I was more on the exercise side of it. And so I've had to, I had to learn from other people. But I remember seeing um, some of these groups because I got involved in two different groups and I would see these people that show up, showed up to the, it was kind of like a Weight Watchers thing, but they showed up and then they got the council and, and then they would come back and there'd be a little bit of accountability. The percentage of people who were actually transformed based on the council they received was like 1%. 
And I, I just always remember being so intrigued by that. Like, you're here because you want to be. I mean, nobody's, like, forcing you to be here. And you're really in total agreement. But yet when you leave, it's not actually changing your life. And I know so many of them, and this happens in the Christian life too, which is the parallel of this example. They leave and don't know how to experientially receive it. They don't know how. So they would leave this wonderful meeting learning, learning how to nutritionally change their, their lives and bodies. But then they would go out and they were instantly slaves to their impulses. In fact, it became kind of a joke. Most of them, because they had a long day at work and they barely got to the meeting, they would literally meet at a donut shop after the meeting. <laughs> I mean, that's like, that's like, okay, is church over yet? Yeah, yeah, we got to go to the club. <laughs> you know, okay, you know, that's a little confusing. You know, so there is a measurable change when we enter into relationship. There's actually something that transforms. He wants it to go deep down. It's got to be for yourself. It's got to be something that you hold on to. And I, I think it was even Ruth that said this yesterday. You know, until it's yours, it really just doesn't matter a hill of beans. There's just, there's just yapping, and then you're just listening. See, you can, you can, people say it differently. You can hear, okay, I'm, I'm hearing something. Or I can listen. Listen, you're usually pressed in a little bit more and you're, you're listening with an intent to make a decision based on what is heard, right? Everything the Lord speaks plants a seed. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, okay, the seed's given. Whatever, whatever he sows. That shall he also reap. So you're going to reap if you sow to your flesh, which means, what, what, is, the, what is my sowing? I want you to think of your, your yes to God or your yes to the flesh and the enemy as your seed. Where you plant, what you sow in whatever place will produce that. God is not going to be mocked. That is the system he set up. If Nathan tells me that he planted corn... And then at harvest time, I see wheat. You know, he can tell me, he can continue to stand by the fact that he planted corn. But there's wheat. What came up out of the ground, whatever seed was planted, you know, whether there was deception there or whatever happened, God will allow to manifest in your life what is sown. And it's very scary because we're seeing it now. Those who sow to their flesh will reap destruction, the spitting out of the lukewarm. Because it's time. It's time for there to be a, a, a reckoning. There's a time for there to be a purity. There's time for the release of the full authority God wants to totally give to his bride, to his people, to rule on the earth. Which, Greg, just go over that again in that message. It was so good. And he wants us to be pure. He wants us to continue to sow into that. Whatever high position you want, whatever you want in, in the kingdom of God that you're seeking him for, Lord, I want all that you have. Well, God has very high purposes for you. It costs. You know, when you look, talk to a young kid and they're like, what do you want to be? Oh, I want to be a lawyer. Okay. You want to be a lawyer. You know, somebody who's wise and smart and has lived, they're like, okay, that's going to cost you 
It's going to cost you law school, lots of years, lots of time, lots of study. It's going to cost you to get to that status, to attain to that. And yet, we don't think there is a cost in the kingdom of heaven. And so I would just encourage you, don't be one of those, those um, what they call them is that, you know, they say at, at reunion sometimes, yeah, he peaked in high school. You ever heard that term? Like, yeah. There was the, the kid that just, student body president, best grades, you know, star of the football team or uh, top cheerleader, whatever, whatever all the ranking status is. And all the clubs, they were leader. They were the most likely, you know, Miss Most Likely or Mr. Most Likely. And, oh, man, they were so great. Then they graduate. It's awesome. Then they what? Get out into the real world. Many do not go on, don't, they're not equipped, they don't know, and they keep looking to their high school experience as a, how come I'm struggling now? How come I, this isn't, this isn't adding up and I, you know, and get lost in their identity. And the Lord was showing me even this morning, the high school was like your time in the church and your time on earth and your time you know, thinking that you are achieving and having status and this is what I want my career to be and well, this is in my heart and, and so Lord, you said, you know, if I, if I, you know, if I just love you, you're going to give me all the desires of my heart. Manipulation of that verse, not, not true. If we delight in him, he will place the desire we're supposed to have in our heart. Different. And the real world is the kingdom of heaven. It is our, it is our eternity, which has an actual kingdom where we will be placed in, in work and placement and influence and all these high places forever for eternity. And if we're one of those people that we peaked in high school, I mean, how many people does it matter if they're looking at being a CEO executive or if they're looking at somebody that, you know, for some high position or whatever, are going to go back to, well, you must be perfect because you were student body president. You must be perfect because you were voted most popular, you know. Yeah, sometimes high school things, you know, might matter a little bit, but when you're you're applying for a job at at 50, 60 years old for something, it's like high school is just a, a training ground. High school was where we hoped you learned something. And so we can't do that in this time that we're in. We have to look at it like, no, right now, I've got to believe for the real world right now. And, of course, that's why schools began to change, and they started actually um, getting kids thinking about this transition. What is it going to look like, you know, and not just having just a high school experience and then not being equipped for for later. And it's really helped a lot of kids to uh, transition in. But God is asking us to begin to say yes to him, believe him, Start with believing that he has offered you relationship itself, that he's actually offered you, because you can agree with that and you can say, yes, it makes sense. But if you leave here and you don't engage relationally in a conversational time with him, he's not speaking to you and you're hearing him and you're speaking back. If that doesn't actually exist, then you're just agreeing with a principle that really has no experiential impact on your life at all. And so it's really not yours. See, my, my Christian life, my, my relationship with Jesus can never be taken because I know him. I know him. I, I know his voice. I know what he said to me. He's, he's revealing more and more and more of himself to me. But it's not something that can be taken. And it's not something that, that can be 
shaken or, or in a crisis collapse because he's real to me, because I believed him for that reality. So every time you say yes, do you understand you're sowing into the kingdom reality and you're going to unlock greater things in your life, greater steps of faith to see where he wants to take you, greater release of barriers, inhibitors, whether it be from your body, from your emotional trauma, from your past, from what people think of you, from limitations in, in your intellect. You know, none of those things are, are an issue to the Lord. How educated you were or were not, what dyslexia you have or don't have, None of those things. God can work as he, as he deposits himself within you in this relationship. You're becoming more and more in his likeness. We don't want to be the Christian that just beholds himself in a mirror and then just walks away the same way that he was. The more we behold him, the more he releases himself to us. And not only is there closeness, but there's a transformation. Less of us, more of him. This is just pretty foundational. I know it's pretty, pretty basic. But the Lord just wanted it released again today because there's just too many people falling apart in adversity. And there's another deepening of the line taking place right now. There's an, an, another deeper cut that's upon us. It's not even coming. It's upon us. That is the cut of, are you all, are you all for me? Are you, all, are you believing all that I have for you, all that I am, all that I've done for you, all that I have freely and graciously and I'm willingly giving you all things if you'll just receive it because I spared not even my own son for you? Okay, there's that place or there's a, I don't know that I can believe it. And I should probably, from my vantage point, this is the left, I'm going to be on the right side, but up here facing you, it's the right. And it's, Jesus wants us to, every single day, believe and believe and believe even what we can't understand, because he can work with that. Um, and, and I'll just share this real quick. Little McKinley in Nigeria, Michael and Allie's um, little one. How old is she now? Do you guys know? Year and a half? Right around there? She, she can talk now. She can even sing her ABCs. It's so fun. Okay, so she's almost two. And um, it's so interesting. And I did this with my girls. I would share things with them. And, and you know, there's a time to talk baby talk. You know, where you just, especially in infancy, where it's just like, you know, like whatever. Okay. Where they just hear sounds and they're just developing. If you never move past the baby talk, there's not a growth that is, is expected from the child that you're teaching. Yvonne, I, I actually have both of them, but I, the most recent one, of course, being Yvonne being my second, in her crib, as she could first form words, I taught her Ephesians 6.1. Lots more, too. But that was, that's the first verse. I just, that was just like, a, let's lay the foundation. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. <laughs> For this is right. And we had the motions and all that. I knew she couldn't understand. She could form the words like a parrot. But I also knew the life-giving truth 
that was going into her spirit as I taught both my girls, as I taught them the word, it was breathing life into them way sooner than their minds can comprehend. That's part of even Yvonne's homeschooling experience. I am, you know, the the truth, I'm not a homeschooling mom whatsoever. The Lord has challenged me in a totally comfort, but I'm like, okay, I'll be your Bible teacher and I'll be your gym teacher. (laughs) So she awakes to the treadmill every day. But, um, but as she's even now learning the word, she's memorizing things she, does, she maybe doesn't have revelation on yet, but it's getting in there. And the Lord, you know, when a child, and, and this is what I was going to say about McKinley, sometimes I'll just, I'll, you know, speak to her on her level, but then other times I'll go, just when she and I are just alone, so Allie will hear this, I'll just be like, so McKinley, so how are you really doing, girl? Like, you know, tell me about your life, you know, anything going on, just what do you have? And she'll just... She'll just look at me like, I don't think I know what you're saying, but I, I'm so glad you're talking to me and that you're giving me attention and focus. And, and then she might nod and, you know, and then just be like, dig something out of my purse and hold it up like, you know. But there's this, there's this wonder in her eyes because I'm speaking to her even though she can't comprehend. She does know her name. And so I speak her name, McKinley. So, you know, so how you doing? You tell me about your life. Tell me about some of your problems. She can't articulate that. She can't process that. But I'm speaking to her, and it's so cool to see how she responds in her heart to me in the time that I'm there, even though she maybe can't really grasp what I'm asking. That's okay. Man, when the Father sees that in us, he can work with that. It's like, I just believe you. I'm, I, you know what? Just speak. Speak to me, Lord. Speak to me. I, I want to know far beyond. I already know my intellect is so limited. It's just so limited, but my spirit learns faster. Speak to me. Speak to me in my dreams. Pray over your dreams. Have him give you wisdom and revelation. This is why we get so messed up in the bride. Doctrine is what we fight over. And yet doctrine, when you look at the definition, and I actually did. I just, I just wanted to share this with you. It was interesting. Because I was looking at the the definition of doctrine, and um, it's a belief or set of beliefs held and taught by a church, political party, or other group. A stated principle of government policy, mainly in foreign or military affairs, of course, and, and the church. So we fight over doctrine, and yet we don't go back to, okay, was that doctrine wisdom and revelation of the Holy Spirit of God? Or was that just a decided upon, leaning on our own understanding, a decided upon belief system that now we're just going to churn it out, churn it out, churn it out. See, if the enemy can infiltrate the ways of God at whatever process in the timeline of of time of mankind, if he can infiltrate and create a stronghold and then get everybody just agreeing, agreeing, agreeing. Well, that's how I was brought up. Well, that's, yeah, that's what, okay, that's, I mean, that's what the church taught. So I, you know, I. I just believe, and, 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 and yet he says in his word, be a Berean, make it yours. Because if it's just, if you're just going to be a bobblehead, you're going to get nowhere. And, and the church has just got all these bobbleheads and they look like they're really agreeing and they're going out and it means nothing for their lives. They, they go out and there's a complete disconnect. They're not filled with power, with more love, 
with more boldness, more victory. They're not rising up, recognizing that their voice, even in the spirit, would have gotten us not even near in this mess politically and with all the things that have risen. There's, it's so dangerous, these agreements. Go back and look at the lives of all the Old Testament prophets and look at the points in their lives where there was agreements or covenants that were against God and look at the downfall of their kingdoms. It is no joke. Our yes and our no choice of our free will has everything to do with the victory, the power, and the manifest of our transformations than we could possibly imagine. And so God is just saying, narrow though the road may seem. Man, will you be available? Will you be available? Will you just say yes? Will you let me make a place inside your heart. Would you let me place my throne inside your heart? That, ver- that, that song has some heavy, heavy lyrics. I will give you everything. And thank the Lord, if that is your heart posture, thank the Lord for every challenge he puts you through, just like that prayer I read. Thank him for it. Because whatever, whatever he's putting you through, he's going to use that to show you something. One of two things. Something you need to rid of or something that he has placed in you that he wants to have give you more confidence in of himself. Some of us have gone through things recently and we're just like, whoa, Lord, I am fully equipped. How did this happen? And he's like, I needed to show you that I've equipped you. You couldn't see it until this trauma hit you. Others go through things and they're like, Lord, what's going on? What's happening? He's like, yeah, some of that stuff's got to go. You just didn't know it was there. It was covered up by control, by habits, by an ease of a life. But now in the challenges, you get to find out what you're made of. And he needs us seeking him, worshiping him in the spirit where he is. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We have to believe For what we cannot see, please go and spend time in the Amplified on Hebrews 11.1. The things we cannot see with these eyes, these human eyeballs, can still be proof with a full conviction and full evidence of what is a reality. Because this isn't even the reality. Man, don't peak in high school and then not be able to adjust in the real world. Let the high school, if you will, metaphorically from my example, be the training ground the belief to just boldly step into the next chapter that God has because he's offering us right now. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, Jesus said. Believe him for it. And I heard a thing recently which was just don't look at the big problems that are overwhelming you. Look at the big God that you have in proportion to your problems. And we know this. We probably have heard this. It might even be on some blanket or poster or mug somewhere but do you know it to where it actually impacts those problems to where you actually you just won't be moved because your foundation is strong if you're not building upon the actual foundation of jesus then you are building on a foundation that is other than him even though he's the only one you are building on a foundation that is a house of cards that's what the enemy has done and hasn't the prophets been saying the house of cards is about to fall 
If you've ever built an actual house of cards, you know how flimsy it is. It is with a, but a breath destroyed. And we're going to see that fall. There is no other foundation. Satan has to create a counterfeit foundation, which can only be cards, because we just read it. There is no other foundation that is laid other than Jesus Christ. So all we have to do is receive what he's freely and graciously given us. Can we not believe that he's given us everything if he freely gave us his own son? He spared not his own son. That just struck me. I hope it strikes you today. Because God is good, and we need sometimes to go back to the basics to get to the next step. He's showing us a lot of cool things in Revelation, and these are things he wants us to get. But if some of us are not walking in basic victory every single day, in overcoming of, of cravings, impulses, uh, 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 irritations, because we haven't even yet received his love, a struggle for identity, It's like, man, go back to your foundation. God wants to reveal. He wants to trust you with new revelation. But you've got to build. It's got to be, you've got to go from faith to faith to faith to faith. He wants it to be yours, not just to believe high concepts and then go out and live as if you don't even believe what the blood of Jesus paid for. Sometimes we kind of get on a little pursuit of a knowledge high, you know, where we're like, oh, man, I just learned stuff in Revelation. It was so cool. But okay, okay, we got to go to the store now. Where's my mask? <laughs> you know, it's like we have in two different worlds. Experientially, we're, we're here, not believing. But then it's like, yeah, I believe that. I really believe that. I guess because of the world I grew up in, the Lord just put within me kind of a, yeah, you know what? This isn't adding up. I want the authentic. I want the real. If you're really, really standing on the rock of Jesus, if any of this is real, if Jesus is real, then the manifest of all that is in his word is real. And I ought to be able to see it. There ought to be that evidence. There ought to be the joy of the Lord in believers because that is our strength. There ought to be the power to believe for manifest healing, for deliverance, for all these things that we see. We shouldn't just see it in pockets. It's available to each and every one of us. And he's just saying, man, receive it today by faith because it's right there and we need it. Because it's going to be tested. It's been tested, but it's about to get seriously tested. And we have nothing to fear. And don't feel like because you're getting a fear warning that it's going to be anything other than Joshua. Joshua was fully equipped. Brooke brought that out recently. He was fully equipped, but God kept saying, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear. Why? Because he was saying, I'm sending you straight into battle. We are headed into a physical battle in many, many aspects. And he's saying, don't be afraid. You're going to conquer them all. The only way to conquer is to engage. That's why I'm not going to let you sleep through this one. No sleeping through this one. It's going to upset every single, in terms of not when I upset, not cause anxiety, but it's going to up, uproot. It's going to cause a disruption, if you will, in everyone's lives. And how you receive that, you're either going to be that person that is spinning around and you're just losing it, or you're going to be in the center of the spin, unshakable, unmoving, where everything It actually becomes a blur of beautiful colors. It's spinning so fast, and you're just like, I'm fine. I'm standing on my rock that is Jesus. That's where he wants us. Let's pray. Father, thank you, God. God, you are so good. You are so worthy. Thank you for all that you promised. Every one of your promises is yes and amen. I pray that we would receive what you have given. It's just right there. It's right there for the taking. 
Oh, there's so much you want to entrust to us. And you're asking today, can I trust you? Father, we know that we can trust you. We cast down every imagination, every proud argument that comes against the truth and the knowledge of God from 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5. And we bring into subjection and obedience every thought to the knowledge agreement with you, Almighty God. Because the enemy's going to keep on lying. Those are just imaginations. Those are just, I wonder if. Those are just the little serpents coming in the garden, coming into our secret place garden saying, yeah, is this, is this really what God said? God, help us to know you so profoundly that we're just like, uh, let me get my sword. You're dead to these lies because your truth is so powerful and it's so real and it's ours. God, let it be ours. Let us wield our sword and all the other armor you give us to not be in agreement to not let anything um, of this battle raging be a defeat, but only another opportunity for greater victory. God, you are just, you are so amazing. And I just pray today in the name of Jesus that there would be a bold decision of a faith that steps just Abandon right off the cliff into your arms and finally gets to see what your arms can really hold and what they really give because there's so much more. And as far as I'm concerned, God, I just want to declare in the name of Jesus, I want it all. I don't know what that's going to cost me. And you know, I weep with you sometimes when I think of that because my flesh still hangs on. But where, where else is there to go? but to the throne of you, Jesus. Where else could I go but into your arms? There's nowhere else to go. Like Peter said, where else do we have to go? You have the words that contain eternal life. So I pray that each one would come to that decision today and go to the next level of the reality that you have waiting for them in the kingdom of heaven, prepared for them, because it's greater I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that you have prepared for those that love you. Right now, right now, Lord, thank you for that. Thank you. We love you, God. Drive this word home. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.